Hey, Scott here with Grace Bible Church. Before we get into this message, I just wanted to thank you for streaming this sermon. We pray that each week you are challenged by who God is and what he has done for you. Now, this is never meant to be a substitute for you to be an active member of a community of faith. If you live in the Hollidaysburg area, or if you're in town for any reason, we encourage you to gather with us on Sunday mornings for our word and worship. You can learn more about what God is doing through our church body on our website, gbclive.org. All right, so today we are going to tackle Galatians chapter 5, 1 through 15. So pretty much half of the chapter of chapter 5 in Galatians titled Christ our Liberator. The fact that Christ is the one that sets us free. So as a way, a recap, as you guys are just kind of settling in, I thought I'd put this slide up here, uh, try to help you find out how we got to where we are, especially if you're just started tracking with us, um, you know, recently through this. This is week nine of our Galatians series. So I put some passages up here uh, for us to, to kind of get caught up, and I kind of have a title for each one. So the first title is, is Rescue. So Galatians 1, 3 through 4 says, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So not only did Paul want to communicate that the, the Galatian Christians were rescued from their sin, he also wanted to communicate that they have also been rescued from the bondage of needing to keep the law. That's re really, really big in Galatians. This is also a really big issue in the book of Romans. So Romans and Galatians kind of have the same uh, notes throughout the books. So next we have revision found same chapter verses six through eight, meaning they were revising the gospel, trying to include works into the truth of the gospel. I, this is verse six. I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. So the Galatians were falling into a trap of being empowered by law keeping as opposed to being empowered by the Holy Spirit or the grace of Jesus. Paul emphasizes that the gospel of Christ is far above any teacher here in this passage and that grace through faith in the gospel of Christ is what saves them and sustains them. So not all, only are they empowered by faith, but they are also shaped and sustained by faith. So that was kind of like the disconnect. They didn't understand that it went all the way to sustaining them. They knew it saved them, but didn't know how to live that out. So next we look at rebuke. This is chapter 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed and crucified uh, as crucified. And then, uh, this is Galatians 4.20, we just looked at this last week. I would like to be with you right now and change my tone of voice because I don't know what to do about you. So the strong language is used because he knows the blind spots that can form in the heart of a believer 
whenever false theology and false teaching is being taught. It's almost like a tiny little rift that, that begins, but then there, it has huge ramifications later on in their life if that's what they're believing that sustains them is law-keeping. So then, uh, finally, we, we look at relationship as a recap. This is Galatians 2.20, so backing up a little bit. says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So the main root that Paul has been using to encourage the Galatians in their identity is this idea of being in Christ. They are not slaves, but in Christ. The fruit, then, is a life lived by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. So that's kind of where we're going to pick up today. But first, I would like to do a brief illustration to help us kind of see this, especially if you haven't been tracking. You know, I'm an illustration guy. I'm going to carry my phone with me this time because that kind of was hijacked before. So uh, can you help me out for a second, Dave? So this is Dave's flashlight. You don't really have to get up. You can stay there. Uh, can you turn out that light back there? Okay. So there we go. So yeah. So pretend we're in the Old Testament law uh, keeping phase of um, being identified with God's people, which is a real thing if you read your Bible. Uh, so I'm holding a flashlight because this is kind of what their lives were reduced to, where they had access to the light, right? Um, and it could even, I, I really wish we had like a power supply or a power source here because that's what I would totally um, point this flashlight at. But I'm going to just point at this switch over here for now, just so you guys can kind of see this. So they're living their lives like this, basically. This is all they knew, right? They had access to the light. And then what happens here is Christ comes on the scene, and, and we've looked at that before, and this happens. Go ahead. So now they are in the light, right? They're in Christ. So what's happening here in Galatians, the problem is, we got new believers. So Dave can pretend to be a new believer. Shouldn't be that hard, but um, just just kidding. And and I'm still like lawkeeper Adam up here with my flashlight. Well, as you can see, this doesn't really have the effect that it did before, when the lights were off, correct? But the problem is, is I'm telling Dave. Okay, so this is how a flashlight works. Okay, um, there's batteries that go in it. Okay, and you got to make sure you put the batteries in right, because if you don't put the batteries in right, then it's not going to work correctly. So you go ahead and try. Oh, that's not even the right kind of flashlight. What are you doing? Like it? Like it's actually supposed to be this color, right? And what kind of batteries do you have in this? Do you know? You don't even know. Jeez. Do, do you see what's like happening? And meanwhile, Dave's probably thinking like, well, "What do we need these flashlights for? Like we're we're in the light. Like there's brilliance all around us, right?" So this was. This is a major issue, thank you, um, for their growth, right? If they're so fixated on something that really doesn't matter anymore because it's like in the middle of the day, flashlights don't really do much. So that's my illustration. And 
kind of have this as a, as a summation and kind of a little application looking like a Christian versus looking like Christ so in their case looking like a Jewish Christian so if you're an audience of this letter then your question should be am I more concerned about my identity as a hybrid Jewish Christian or in our case a Christian or about my identity in Christ so circumcision was one way that God's people were externally identified, which, as we know, is a huge theme in Galatians as far as should they get circumcised, should they not get circumcised, big deal. It wasn't just about the circumcision, obviously, there's a, a root there. But how does the Bible say that God's people are identified today? What would you guys say if you had to like sum that up? So, obviously, God is identifying his people all throughout history. What's maybe one thing that jumps out of you that Jesus taught? Says, hey, this is how you're going to be identified now. I'll give you a hint. John 13, 35. Can you say that a little bit louder? Love. Yes. How you love. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you... That wasn't a very loving response. If you <laughs> love one another, right? It's countercultural. It's completely flipping this around. So, now we can finally land on our text. You're probably like thinking, when are we going to actually get to the Bible? So, now. So, I'm going to go ahead and read. This is our uh, portion today. That's not working correctly. For freedom, Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Take note, I, Paul, am telling you that if you get yourselves circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. Again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to do the entire law. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ you have fallen from grace. For we eagerly await through the Spirit, by faith, the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. You were running well. Who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? This persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. I myself am persuaded in the Lord you will not accept any other views. But whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. Now, brothers and sisters, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. I wish those who are disturbing you might also let themselves be mutilated. For you are called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But serve one another through love, for the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. So since we know that this letter is an argument, we should be asking, where is Paul in this argument? And I want to try to do something here real quick, so bear with me. This is like playing around with my iPad today to see if um, 
I like teaching from it better because I can scribble on stuff. Right now, my pencil is not connecting. So that was the whole passage. we looked at and what we're going to do is kind of like take it in chunks so if you guys have your bibles open that would be really really good you guys can follow along oh i'll quickly say um there are books in the back also there's only one of the galatians books it's like a journal bible so that's back there and a couple of the uh deeper books are back there totally rec recommend grabbing those all right so let's see if this works Hey so, so that's the passage as a whole. So if we're reading this passage, um, it can seem like a lot, but we're going to break it down this way. So here's this verse 1 where he says, For freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. So he's telling them like two things. Stand firm and don't submit again to a yoke of, of slavery. So standing firm is what they're going to be doing in Christ, right? And kind of this idea of the yoke of slavery is going to play out kind of like if you follow suit with that, then it's going to look like this chunk over, you know, uh, the next two paragraphs, kind of why I have it broken down like this. But what verse one is really getting at, what he really wants to tell them is down here in verse 13, you were called to be free brothers and sisters, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself, as we, as we just spoke about. So, get to our main idea here. If you want to jot this down, this is the main idea of Galatians 5, 1 through 15, is unbelief in the full freedom that we have in Christ will ultimately produce a life that is shaped by its slavery to the flesh. And as you're processing that, I'm going to remind you of the the whole main idea of the whole book of Galatians. And if you don't want to write that down, it's fine because it's on these handouts that are in the back. Um, you won't be able to write it down because I'm just going to read it. The heart of the gospel is justification by faith alone in Christ alone, not by obedience to any kind of external standard. So that is a root. Okay, The heart of the gospel is justification by faith alone in Christ alone, not by any obedience uh, that points to any external standard root. So now we have the fruit of that main idea, which is resulting in freedom that is both empowered and shaped by the Spirit. So, so far in Galatians, we've seen Paul tell the Galatians over and over that they are free in Christ. Here is a part of the letter in Galatians 5, and if you guys know, like, from from 16 on, it goes into the fruit of the flesh, fruit of the spirit. You're probably pretty familiar with that. Here's the part where he emphasizes that they're free, so they should act like they're free. So they should be living like they're free. Not just saying they're free, but living like they're free. And how their life would be characterized because of this truth. So if that's the argument, if that's Paul's argument, then these are the ways in which he's arguing. So if unbelief in the full freedom that we have in Christ will ultimately produce a life that is shaped by its slavery in the flesh. It doesn't sound like a really good thing to be shaped by slavery to your flesh. Just saying. I mean, I don't know about you. But maybe you're into that kind of thing, but I personally am not. So, And I lead other people to not be slave to their flesh. 
I want people to have belief in Jesus. Um, three products of that life, though, is found in this passage. Products uh, of a life that is shaped by its sla slavery to the flesh. And we will track with each one of these as we go, as we look at the passage. It's late, actually, the passage is laid out really nicely. So that second paragraph picks up in uh, that we were looking at. This is verses 2 through 6. So this is unbelief. And the full freedom that we have in Christ will ultimately produce a life that is shaped by a devalue of and discontent for Christ. And it does not sound too good. So Paul says right off the bat in verse 2, take note. So remember, he's just getting off of the, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm and don't submit to a yoke of slavery. So this take note translations will say like, look exclamation point if your Bible say look almost to say if that's what you're doing this is what's going to happen he says I'm telling you I Paul am telling you that if you get yourself circumcised Christ will be of no benefit at all again I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he's obligated to the whole entire law you who are trying to be justified by, law, by the law are actually alienated from Christ. You have, been, you have fallen from grace. That's a biggie. For we eagerly await through the Spirit, by faith, the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. So what Paul is doing for them is, is saying, this matters. This doesn't matter. This has value. This doesn't have, have value. So he says, if you're following out the path of being a slave to your flesh, a slave to law keeping, Christ will actually benefit you to nothing. You won't be finding your hope. He actually uses the word hope here in verse you'll be finding your hope in law keeping and notice he says he has a lot of I Paul's and use uh, here so when he gets to uh, he has every man but I don't want you guys to be confused here this you here you who are trying to be justified by the law or alienated from Christ, you have fallen from grace. This is kind of like a proverbial you. So remember, Paul's writing to saved people. These are believers. Okay, so this is not saying, well, you just lost your salvation, way to go. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, if this is the mindset, then, then this is how it's going to be lived out. So if you're trying to be justified by the law, you, it's... It's not 50-50, like, well, I'm going to be justified by Jesus today, but now I'm going to be justified by the law tomorrow. Like, he's saying it doesn't really pan out that way. But then notice the transition in verse 5, how he says, we. So we had I's and you's, but now this is how we know that he's, he's writing to believers. These, these are brothers and sisters, as he writes later on in this passage. We eagerly await through the Spirit, by faith, the hope of righteousness. This is the hope of that they have um, that's to come. And then verse 6, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. 
So as you guys know, like I'm a visual learner. So this is a, um, this is kind of like a way, does anybody know what this symbol means? You can see that symbol. Have you ever seen that mathematical symbol? It's not like the, the little fish that you see on like the backs of cars. Has anybody seen that symbol? Know what that symbol means? It's proportionate. So that's a symbol that means proportionate. So, or proportion. So the way I see it is, so if we see it like this, in one hand, <laughs> and we have, we value Christ, okay? That's in one hand. And, um, yeah. And then in this hand, we have love. I was going to write faith working in love, but I don't feel like it. So, so what's, what happens here? is as these these Galatians are growing they're kind of missing how they how they get to their love like how they live this out if if they're cheapening Jesus or they're short sheeting the bed of Jesus Christ then they're not going to properly value others if they're discontent with Jesus if they think he's only good for their salvation and not to put their their whole entire trust into then it's going to fall short when it comes to their living so I have a question so I can stop talking for a little bit so outside of the church what are some incentive based systems that we see valued today so we as humans living in 2022 don't really identify with the struggle of to circumcise or not to circumcise. I mean, maybe you have, but strongly doubt it. But we can learn what Paul is teaching here. A way we can do that is try to identify some of these incentive-based systems, and there's a bunch. So if I have to give you an example, I will. But think about it. Matt, you're so smart. That was like the first one I thought of. Yes, the work. What else? Come on, it's Black Friday like a couple days ago. Come on, you're killing me. Show up super early. Early bird specials, right? You gotta wake up early and you get stuff cheap. Still gotta pay money for it. Saved a whole bunch of money because it was on sale. Should, could have saved money by not buying it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> now, seriously, what what are incentives? Like things that we're incentivized with in life. Think about it. How about you and your kids? Wow. Come on. Anybody do allowance in their house or rewards in their house? Are we the only people that pay our kids to do chores? <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Give me another one. Shout them out. What'd you say? There you go. Working for that gummy. Is that it? Okay. 
short-lived. So think about this then. I don't want you guys to be overwhelmed. What would it look like if these outside incentive-based systems would infiltrate the church of Jesus Christ? So I think if you start to ponder this a little bit, you'd realize that most of our lives are, are made up of incentive-based systems one way or the other, even our marriages, sad to say. So do you see how this would disrupt the growth of the church? If the, these Judaizers are now infiltrating these new believers and pointing them to, to such systems, like this is what we always did. We just, I, I show up, I have my flashlight, and I turn it on at this time, and I turn it off at this time because this is what I was told to do, right? And you're forsaking all the glory that comes along with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Like, it's painful. Moving on. Unbelief in the full freedom that we have in Christ will ultimately produce a life that is shaped by a disobedience to God's truth. Again, not something to be shooting for. This is Galatians 5, 7 through 12. You were running well, so you were obeying well. You're on track. But who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? This persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. I myself am persuaded in the Lord that you will not accept any other view. But whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. So we're just going to stop there. So notice he's using these words, persuaded. Does that show up okay? Persuaded and persuasion and persuaded. So this first one here is not the same wording as this one here. So this can actually be the first persuaded, the who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth, is actually saying, if you uh, read other translations, it says, who's, preve who's preventing you from obeying the truth is what Paul is saying. Somebody is actually preventing you or hindering you or obs uh, obstructing you from obeying the truth. And these people don't understand that exactly. They don't understand these are false teachers. They don't know any better. So hence Paul revealing this. So then the second persuasion, this persuasion, verse 8, does not come from the one who calls you. So this persuasion is actually communication intended to induce belief or action. They're actually try, trying to go out of the way to get these new Galatian, these Judaizers, trying to get them to have a induced belief on them or create an action from them. So what's the problem with this is it's a uh, disobedience to God's truth. So in this passage, we see that this is a battle for man's truth and God's truth. And this is actually the last jab that we'll see uh, from Paul about these Judaizers in the book. And it's pretty strong. I'm not going to lie. So if some of you have your Bibles out and you have other translations, this last uh, verse is, I wish those who are 
disturbing you might also let themselves be mutilated. Um, in regards to circumcision, which is what Paul is talking about here, you can kind of use your imagination what he's talking about. Um, actually referring to the fact that since circumcision doesn't do what it once did, it is now just mutilating yourselves. So really, and, and again, there's an exclamation point there. Paul's really trying to hit this home for them to help them see what circumcision was used for. And we looked at that all throughout the book of Galatians so far. And now what is it, it has now been reduced to. That is, if they don't see it as that now, then... They're blind to understanding their faith. If you have any kind of like questions on this verse 11 through 12, um, it's kind of interesting because some of the, these Judaizers were trying to persuade these new believers into thinking that Paul, like you need to get circumcised because that's what Paul actually preaches. Paul preaches circumcision. But he goes on to say, well, if I did, then why would I be, be, be getting persecuted for it? That doesn't really make sense. We'll move on from there. So a, a disobedience to God's truth can often lead to obedience to man's truth. And we'll break that down here in a, in a minute. So I want to ask this question. What are some lies that culture is using to persuade us from obeying the truth of the gospel? Got some doozies for you today. What are some lies that culture is using to persuade us from obeying the truth of the gospel? Yeah. Being inclusive. everything mm. yeah it's all about your heart sorry I'm like a kindergartner what else <laughs> truth is subjective yeah objective subjective but truth is like it's your truth my truth your truth can be your truth and my truth can be my truth what what does that do does that not water down the actual truth? <laughs> like, isn't that crazy? Oh, what else? Some lies. Yeah. Everybody has the same ending, same goal, but just different paths that all lead to the same goal. Yeah. Yeah, I like that too. That's almost the American way. We can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and just, just try harder, right? <laughs> so my kids were like, you know, playing a game or something. They're like, Dad, just get better. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. It's like my favorite parable. Matthew 13, 44. So our prayer should be that our hearts would believe this truth, that the kingdom of heaven is a treasure. And we all know the rest of that parable, right? The dude goes and finds it in the field and then covers it back up and then sells everything. And in his joy, he sells everything and then runs and buys that field and has that treasure. So 
If we would believe this truth, our obedience would follow. Still in unbelief mode. So unbelief and the full freedom that we have in Christ will ultimately produce a life that is shaped by, this is the last one, a disregard to the call of the church. So this is the last few verses that we have today, Galatians 5, 13 through 15. He says, For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. So in verse 13, he's emphasizing on this new identity, which he's been talking about through the whole letter. You have this identity that is in Christ. There's no identity that anybody ever, has ever had in the history of mankind. Now, front and center, you have this identity and you are free in him. But what that does is it also creates a new purpose. So look at verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. So we have this idea of serving one another through love and loving your neighbor as yourself. And why I really like this is because you can, just this passage is, you can kind of see the teeth. Remember verse 1, for freedom, Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. So we could see what a fleshly set of teeth would look like, right, in verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed. Or other translation says you will destroy one another. That's not what I like, really. I mean, that, that's dreadful. But like, what we can also see here is the Spirit also has teeth, right? And that the teeth of the Spirit looks like love, looks like serving one another, it looks like selflessness. And Paul is beautifully illustrating that for them here. He's saying your, your new identity will look like this, and it's not a passive thing. This is a, a new purpose. Who doesn't like to have purpose, right? Who doesn't like plans? I mean, I know I do. So this is, this is your plan. This is your purpose. Not only that, but you're now free to love in a way that you've never been able to do before. And they weren't exactly understanding that. If, if you chalk loving somebody up to keeping a role or keeping a law, and I'm willing to bet that that's not how God designed it to work. They have now been freed in Christ to love the way that Christ does. If you're in Christ, guess what, bro? You get to love the way he does. And that is going to bring you joy and satisfaction that you will never experience outside of him. But if your belief is not rooted in Christ, you won't, you won't get that feeling. You won't get that joy. And ultimately disregard the purpose that God has in place for you. And you'll do what Jen said. Just be like, I'm going to be the best me I can be. And everybody else is going to try to do the same thing. Kingdom 
of heaven is like a treasure. Coming back, circling back, main idea. Unbelief in the full freedom that we have in Christ will ultimately produce a life that is shaped by its slavery to the flesh. Like, okay, Joker, like, how does that encourage us here now? So I kind of have alternate, alternate main idea. So flip side looks like belief in the full freedom that we have in Christ will ultimately produce a life that is shaped by love for others. So I like this a lot because I don't love others well. I'm just going to be honest. I don't love the way I feel like God has called me to love. But that's why I like that proportionate symbol because it doesn't mean that I just need to ugh, just got to just got to figure it out. Just got to pray. I have to reevaluate how I'm valuing Christ. Am I discontent with who I am in Christ. Is that flowing into my relationships with everybody else? So I can easily just, like, Satan wants us to fight the battle at this level, the level of deeds. That's where he wants us, right? He doesn't want you to value Christ, trust me, because he knows what kind of ramifications that'll have for your life. So I'm going to point you to another passage. I didn't want to hijack Grable's passage for next week, which is the rest of Galatians 5, through the spirit, through the flesh, which can seem box checky. So I want you to see this. This is uh, another one of my really, um, this is a fantastic passage for working through this concept with people. So this is 2 Peter 1, 5 through 9. And I'll just do this as we go. So pretend that we're fighting the battle at the level of deeds right now. Okay, and we're reading this passage. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness. Uh... Check. <laughs> goodness with knowledge. Well, yeah, I'm pretty good there. Knowledge with self-control. Woo! Three for self-control with endurance. Well, I do do have endurance. I mean, I run marathons and stuff. Not really. Um, with godliness all day. And godliness with brotherly affection. I'm going to leave that one blank. And brotherly affection with love. I mean, I got my wife a card for Valentine's Day. So, yeah, and her birthday. So, double check there. For if you, then verse 8, For if you possess these qualities and in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful. Oh, thank goodness. Now all I got to do is make sure I wake up every day and check these boxes. No. That is wrong. Why? Because the rest of the passage says, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, the person who lacks these is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sin. So the reason I find this so practical is if we're really to love one another, it looks like reminding each other that they've been cleansed, that our brothers and sisters have been cleansed from their sins, not just today, but forever. That is how we love each other. So if you're wondering, like, well, that is so broad. Like, how do we, okay, serve one another, love one another? Like, how do I do that? Well, read your Bibles, and you'll start to connect some dots there, Lord willing. But remind others 
They've been cleansed from their sins, is what Peter says. Like, all this other stuff will take care of itself, <laughs> right? If you're lacking these qualities, basically, you're blind. You can't see, you, you forget that you've been cleansed from your sins. And P- then Peter goes on to say, like, I just want to remind you. So that's what Paul's doing here, is he can't really remind the Galatians as much, because they were newbies, right? But he's still reminding them, like, remember the one who called you? Remember him? Like, not these jokers that are preaching a false gospel to you, but remember you were called? Remember, you know, the, the teachings that you followed? That's what you need to stand firm in. Stand firm in your freeness that you have in Christ and know him. So next week we got the book of Galatians, Freedom Through Christ, Galatians 5, 16 through 26. I'm going to wrap up in a prayer and then we'll bounce.